Welcome to Wins and Losses, a podcast where Phil Strunk, that's me, chats and reflects with educators from all over. Thanks for joining today. and welcome to Wins and Losses. Uh, very excited with this guest today. Faye is somebody that's been part of the Whale Chat family for a while, and so uh, very excited again to have her here. Faye, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm also very excited to be here. As you said, I've been part of this chat for a long time, and I'm excited to finally um, get a chance to talk to you and everybody else. Yeah, same here. Uh, you know, doing really well. It's been a, a good week. I'm hearing thunderstorms outside, so now I'm just crossing my fingers. The power stays on, but it should be good. Uh, as we get started, Faye, can you go ahead and just give the listeners like a, an intro to who you are and what you do in education? Sure. Um, I'm currently a high school teacher in Camden, New Jersey. Um, if you don't know it, we are right across the river from Philadelphia. And for the past few years, um, I've always taught high school. I taught 9th, 10th, and 11th world history both US 1, US 2, and for the past few years, I've been AP US history teacher. Mm. And I'm running a, we're sorry, we're starting a brand new class this year with civics. Cool. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good year to get I started said, with it. It's a year it. to do it, yeah. So <laughs> the year yeah. to do it, we're going to have fun with it. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, you just said you're, you're from Camden and so the topic of urban education, I think, is such an, an interesting one, considering, you know, all the stereotypes that, that go with uh, urban education, like uh, just like endless challenges with classroom management, teacher burnout and things like that. And so um, hearing that you've been in this for as long as you have, I think, is, is encouraging. Uh, I'd like to just ask real quick, you know, having been an urban educator for so long, what are some misconceptions that people have have made about your profession? Um, I think the biggest thing is usually when I, you know, we get the pity factor a lot. Like when I say I work mm-hmm. in Camden, I, I get that look for people in the area like, oh, I'm sorry, that must be so challenging. And I'm like, it, it is, but education is challenging right now, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes like, yes, the day to day, as you're going to say, like we might have more losses day to day with frustrations. But I think at the end of the year, our wins are really more meaningful because we have taken, um, you know, we really have done so much with some of our students. Um, I This is my eighth year in the district. And the first four years, I actually spent at the alternative school. Um, so the kids that had been kicked out of the high schools got transferred to us. Gotcha. And these were the kids that really did need that second chance, um, third chance, fourth chance in some cases. And yet initially it was harder to, to build that trust with them. But once you had that trust, the year was more meaningful and those kids did anything you needed. Um, they, they really, I think once they realized you were there to stay, they, they opened up. Um, so our losses each day can be a little more frustrating. Like so-and-so was absent again today. We're worried about them, but graduation is so much more meaningful in that case um, with some of our students. Oh, I teach at one of the magnet schools. Um, we have a higher success rate for graduation and going to college. And it's not that they're less important, but it's it's interesting also to see like, you know, these kids are going out there becoming doctors, becoming lawyers, coming back and teaching for the district, um, starting 
owned businesses. So we have a lot, I think more, sometimes more stress. Um, but our students, you know, with the right person, they shine. They really shine. That's, that's awesome. So what are some things that you do to build this trust with students? Um, it's a lot of time, I think, over the years. Like, I, I remember my first year I walked in and I had started also a month or so into school. So um, it was a little bit more of a struggle. We spent like a lot of rocky time that semester just like getting to know them and getting them back into routine. And at the alternative program, it was a semester-based program. So when January rolled around again, it was technically a new class with some of the same kids. But I had that like already like, okay, we spent four months getting to know each other. Um, that comfort level was there. And we were able to have a more strong start the second time around. Um, I think like one time I'll be on, like I had a student, it, she and I just never got along. She she missed class a lot. Um mm -hmm we just had an honest conversation one day and I was like, you know, if I've done something to you, please tell me. Cause I apologize in advance if I did. And I think mm -hmm. she was just outside issues were so overwhelming to her. She had a hard time with it. Um, and learning a little bit more about her. I remember seeing her in the hallway one time and I just walked up and I said, how are you today? And her whole body language changed. Um, and from that point on, it was not a perfect relationship, but it was a lot better. And, we were able to do what we needed to do in the class. Um, the edge came down from her. The, the, the edge came down. So we're there for the kids a lot. Um, like most teachers are, you know, it's that relationship building. It's that patience. It's that if you need a minute, you can have a minute. But when you come back, we're going to get started again and we're going to move on. Um, and I really think I know a lot of times it's it might be cliche to say, but it's really holding those expectations high for them showing them that you're not going to give up because if you expect that they can reach a certain level and you give up, they feel like everybody else gave up on me too. Sometimes if you don't, they're, I think like more willing to um, prove themselves to you sometimes too. So maybe my alternative kids. Mm -hmm. it, it's like they're, they're willing to jump through a ring of fire for you because they know that you would do the same yeah. thing for them. We've had that. And it's, you know, I mean, like I said to I'm like most kids, you know, we, you know, not every relationship is perfect in education, not every relationship is perfect with, with our students, but um, just really like, you know, just show, showing up every day and making the most of every day and, and being there for them. Um, I take my own kids to football games. We're constantly going to the football games. We were going to baseball games before COVID happened. Um, and that made a difference too. It's like they, they would look over and be like, oh, she's here and her kids are here. I take my kids to school events all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also think that helped too, like really just building into that, like, like you would anywhere else, like you would at any other high school teachers show up to their kids' games and, and theater shows we do too. Yeah. And it's like, you know, look at me, I'm a human being just like you yeah. We can relate in that, in that facet. That's good. What is, so like, it sounds like you're doing a, a great job then to find ways to connect with students by being intentional, being present with them to develop that trust. What does support look like from admin regarding like helping you foster these relationships with students? We, um, it depends. Um, the one thing we can is sometimes we, we can have a principal for a year or two and then they change. Rules. Mm. Um, so that's sometimes a lot harder on the admin end is, is our leadership can, can change without notice. Um, but we also have, you know, administration too that's almost the same of like look you need you know what you need to do in your classroom and i'll support you outside of it but you know as long as you know you're 
doing what you need to do in the classroom, we have a lot of um, say of how we manage that, those, those walls. And even at the alternative program, we had a lot of support because we had to work together to, to um, be authoritative with the students, but compassionate at the same time. So it doesn't work if, if one, it, I guess it's like a parent situation. If one parent says no, and one parent says, yes, it's not going to work. Um, and I think that's the same in like the administration and, and working in an, any type of school setting is the, the rules are followed. And, you know, if you break them, whatever the consequence is, that's the consequence. Um, and if it's in my classroom, like I'm, I'm known to chase kids around the building if they're late to class, I'm like, get to class, you know, I'm known to stand in the hallway and be like, your class is that way. Go to the right. Like, like I'm like directing airport traffic. Um, they laugh. <laughs> it works. Um, our security guard laughs every time. I'm like, I feel like I just like stand there and I'm like, go to the right. Um, we make a joke about it and we move on. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a Cupid shuffle of the hall. Yeah, it really is. I'm like, you belong here. Let's go. Come on. Are you lost on your way around the building? Um, I'm like, so-and-so got lost to the, on the way to the bathroom. They popped into my room. Um, and the kids will complain about it, but I know deep down, like later they're, they're laughing about it too. They're like, oh, she'll do it. She'll do it. Don't, don't do it. She'll do it. <laughs> How big is your school then? With the My school's pretty small. Um, my school is pretty small. I have about, I want to say like maybe about 225 students total from nine to 12. Okay. Um, we're like a one floor, very small building. We can stand in one end of the hallway and literally look down all the way to the other end. Um, so there really is no room for the kids to hide either. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I'm thinking. <laughs> we are a smaller building. Um, we are supposed to be merging into a brand new high school next year, so I don't know how that's going to work. But for right now, we're cozy in our little corner. Yeah. How is it, you know, with you being in just this, uh, in what basically sounds like a single hallway school building, how has that helped you with your colleagues? It's pretty good. So in my corner of the hallway, we're like an H-shaped building. Um, okay. One hallway, a little hallway, and another one. In my corner, it's actually the three social studies teachers. We happen to all be together. Um, okay. So it's easy if, like, we need something, we can just pop in each other's room. Um, we're pretty good at, like, you know, if if, some, if I need something, they're there. If I need a resource, the other teacher has it, too. Um, so being us, the three of us, as the three social studies teachers in the corner, it's, it's kind of nice having us together. Um, and then I get to see, you know, the underclassmen and they get to see the classroom too. So even in the beginning of the year, um, it's not totally new faces because I've been seeing them go into the next door classroom for two years when they had ninth and 10th grade. Right. Oh, you're finally here. That's great. So you, you said that you're a social studies teacher and that's one of the ways that you and I first connected to was as social studies teachers. I'm curious about your journey to becoming one. What did that, what did that look like? I mean, like, where'd you go to school and, or when did you know you wanted to teach history? I love talking to other history teachers. So the fact that I have on the podcast right now, I'm like, yeah. Yes. It's uh, it was not traditional at all. And I, I will say like for a long time, I thought it would never happen. Um, I've, I've known since I, at least middle school that I wanted to teach um, in high school. I was like, I want to teach history. It, um, my, my father's a Vietnam War veteran. Grandfather wow. was a Holocaust survivor. So I kind of feel like history was always in my blood of these stories. And I tell the students that I said, I fell in love with the subject because there's voices, it's stories read mm -hmm. about what somebody experienced. And it's very different, you know, today than it was 50 years ago, a hundred years ago. 
Um, I love to read like the primary sources and, and people's firsthand accounts because I'm amazed that people have overcome what they've overcome. So yeah. I graduated high school and I um, went to Rutgers. Actually, I, tra- I, tra- I went out of state and then I transferred home and I went to Rutgers, New Brunswick. I was actually from the area up north. And at Rutgers, you can you had to get into the Graduate School of Education, not um, not undergrad. So of course, I graduate with my history degree, and I do not get into the Graduate School of Education. Um, so I moved to South Jersey. I I find a job, and I'll, as I was just telling you, I end up working um, in Camden with um, parole parolees, gentlemen that had just been incarcerated in the state prison and are now on parole. So I'm in social work, work with mm-hmm. these guys who are returning home. And trying to get their lives back in order to by finding a job or going to school. And then I, it's at that time um, that I said, you know what, I still want to do, I still want to be a teacher. So I go to St. Joseph's University in um, Philadelphia and I get my master's in secondary education. And it is hard finding a history job. (laughs) Finding a teacher (laughs) job in New Jersey, it is even harder finding a history job. At one point, I think somebody said there's three to 400 applications per history job in New Jersey at that time. Um, so I stay, I transfer to the halfway house and I run as a supervisor, the halfway house for two years. Um, I build up like, you know, leadership there. I have my first son and I was like, I still want to teach. I, I'm going to try it again. And I, I get the job in Camden. So (laughs) it, um, like I said, for, for a while, um, I remember setting up my classroom in Camden, just sitting there looking around the room because I still couldn't believe it was happening. Mm-hmm. almost 10 years of it almost not happening. Um, I remember just standing there and I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting in a classroom and I'm really going to have kids in here in a few days. That's so cool. Um, and it's, it's, I tell the kids, I was like, I've always like, look, I, I almost gave up. I was like, it happened though. It worked out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great story of perseverance. Yeah. I'm curious how your, your experience working with parolees has, has helped you as an educator in general? It's, um, it also taught me a lot of patience. It really, Mm -hmm. um, Camden is just one of those cities that at one point, unfortunately, I believe it had, had the title as the most dangerous city in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you drive through it or you drive around it, it really is, um, it really is sometimes unbelievable to still see what is going on in that city and what these kids go home to every single every single day. So I think it really helped me um, understand like when I got to the classroom to be more patient with our students and to, you know, just approach it in a way where I, you know, want to be compassionate, but I also want to be, I don't want to be the teacher that lets them get away with stuff. I want to, I want to hold the expectations high um, to show them like, I'm not going to give up on you. We're not going to take the easy way out. I will, and I tell them, I was like, guys, I will never give you anything you're quote unquote going to fail. I was like, I will help you get there, but I expect that you do it in the end. Um, I'm not going to set you up for total failure. I was like, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but we will, we'll do this together. We will. And especially the first couple of years I taught AP, they were like, what? And I was like, we're going to get it done. <laughs> I was like, it'll be fine. I had you last year. We're going to get to it. And right. We did. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. That includes us being part of that team. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, working in Camden and I, and I do, I do share my, with my students, you know, my, my background before there um, mm-hmm. as to show them again too, like, look, I, it, I, I have this plan. 
there were other plans in the place. I still went for it. I still got it. Um, and really, you know, when you like, you're right, when you, when you finally get something you've always wanted, it's, it's a great feeling to be standing up there every year. Yeah. Gives you a, gives you a real appreciation for coming to work every day. Whenever you work so hard to get there. Now you, you've taught a lot of different subjects in history or in social studies. Is there one in particular that you're drawn to? I usually, I, um, I've always said this in the past few years, I've, I've come to love reconstruction again. Um, mm. And I, I just, I like, like the, the late 1800s, I'm sorry, the late, yeah, the late 1800s. And even in school, like when we teach it, I, I love when I have my juniors and we get to that time period finally, because the light bulb finally goes on. And I think they start to make the connections that we've been trying so hard to get that are much harder to make when we study the colonial times. Right. Um, and I like to just in general, just look at every time period and say, you know, all right, whose perspective are we seeing this time period from whose perspective are we not seeing it from? And we just become little detectives in that case to, to learn more about the voices that we may not traditionally hear in a textbook or traditionally hear, you know, we have those, those key people in every textbook. Um, and then there's other people and I'm like, why are they not in here? You know, right. go find out more for me, go, let's go, you know, look into more. Um, so I, over the past few years, and even with teaching AP have learned so much more, um, I bet so much more history because I'm like, I, I teach this subject and never looked at it from this perspective, or I teach the subject, but didn't know this is what it took to actually get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a seminar with Gilder Learman on emancipation. Oh, on their, on, yeah. Their online self-paced courses. Um, mm-hmm. and I picked a topic that, you know, every history teacher probably knows about as emancipation. I'm like, I learned so much from it. At, at- well, I'm going to shout out to, uh, one of my history professors who works with Gilder Learman sometimes, John Fia, does a, now like he does a lot of stuff that is like colonial and stuff, yes. but if you ever have an opportunity to take a class with him, jump into it. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I have to, I have to brag for a second. Our kids last year through Gilder Learman, we were able to see Hamilton in February What in New York. Yeah. I got, I was a three year project. Um, and we finally got, we finally got accepted and through a great community partnership, um, that helped us pay for the trip. I took 18 kids to New York right in February before everything shut down. And we sat front row and saw Hamilton. <laughs> I am so jealous. Of I you. have, and I had three students, um, they're, they're, this, right? so I had three students perform their, their piece on stage during the student performances. And I was like, it will never get better than this. <laughs> nope. I can retire tomorrow. And this will be right up there with, um, greatest teacher history day. That's so cool. Ever. And it was great. It's it's something I really hope my kids still in 10 years look back and say, I really saw that. <laughs> yeah. I I just watched Hamilton for the first time whenever it went on to Disney Plus. I wanted to see it before, but then, you know, stupid COVID. But um what's interesting to me is like I see some of like the public frustrations that go out there, like regarding the casting and stuff. I'm like, this is such a powerful cultural iconography here. Yeah. Like, don't discount this what they're doing is very powerful and impactful and it is honestly like a solid contribution to history you know i i watched it and i was like you know while i am not a huge listener of rap music uh whenever they were you know dropping bars and stuff i was like yeah this is awesome it is. and they're saying things and i'm like looking at my in-law saying this is what they're talking about <laughs> it's an artistic so, masterpiece and um Joanne Freeman, who um, the professor Freeman did a, did a session with them too. And she said, people need to remember, this is a work of art. It's mm-hmm. a story. It's an interpretation of it. And if you 
just because it's history doesn't mean everything has to be completely factual. Um, it's, it's, it's still a great piece. It's still something, look, I'll do anything my kids are interested in. Anything to get my students interested in history, I will do it for the most part. Um, I don't care if it's songs or stories. And again, too, you know, it. some of my kids, I don't think, realize um, when I said we were going to go see it and we were going to New York, I don't think they realized, like, the magnitude of Broadway. And mm. that was another thing, like, I, you know, don't have that. I grew, I'm actually originally from Brooklyn, so I've been seeing shows for much of my childhood, and I remember telling my students, I was like, we're going to go see, you know, them on stage. And he's like, it was student performance. I said, no, honey, these are professional actors. Like <laughs> this, this show won major awards um, to be able to give my students that experience, A, to go to New York for the day, yeah. go see not just a Broadway show, but that show. Um, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it again if I need to, because yeah. it was, I kept turning around through the performance and looking at them <laughs> like they were my own children. Awesome. Like, yeah, we kept seeing you turn around. I was like, I just wanted to see your faces. Just wanted to look at you while you watch the show for five minutes. Uh, and the cool thing about you and me as history teachers is, you know, our goal, yeah, we want our students to know the events of the past. And we also want to develop them as critical thinkers, as right. people that realize the context of history. And so, you know, you said it, who was it, Professor Freeman that yeah. said that um, history, you know, or like the, this is a work of art, so it doesn't have to be 100% historical, right? So then it's our job to train our students as historical thinkers to look into these things right. and wonder, how is this different? And why would this person make it different like this? What's the inspiration behind this? You know, it's it's a powerful, it's a powerful tool to help our kids understand that history is more than a memorization of a timeline. Yes, so, that's exactly uh, it. It's out of my, like, this is another voice. Why, you know, why is this voice different than the traditional voices we've heard? It's not a timeline. It's, you know, it's, it's, and it's also a social movement. We can easily make the connection to today. There's no doubt that was the purpose of his intent of creating it that way. Um, I said that too. It's like, it's just like, you know, an author's purpose or, or a director's purpose. Why is the director filming the ink, the shot this way? What's the camera? Why are they lighting it this way? You know, there's a reason, there's a reason um, the show is done this way. And it, and if it encourages a kid to pick up a book and read a little bit more about him or find an article and say, oh my gosh, he really wasn't everything the, the story did. It's successful in my opinion, because the kid is now interested in something that, and the, let's be honest, the, the colonial times can be boring for kids. Like it's, hard, it's a hard time period to get excited about. Um, so if, if we can get something a little magical every now and then I'm all for it. <laughs> Whatever it takes. And that's like whenever I teach the colonial period, my like big thing for them that they love is I bring like a bucket of water out and I put it down and they like curiously look at it. And then we talk about Boston yes. and then I give them <laughs> bags. And I'm like, all right, let's let's uh, air some grievances about uh, our school. And then you can throw your tea bag into Strunk Harbor or whatever. <laughs> it's a little thing. Even in high school, we do like a, I, I got into creating um, breakout room games. I got like this lock with all these locks on it and we play, you know, basically escape my classroom. Um, they take my room apart. Like, it is loud. I, I tell the teacher teachers, I'm like, we're doing the breakout room today. So it's going to be loud. They're arguing with each other. They're fighting and they are ripping everything in my room apart, looking for these clues. And it's fun. Yeah. Um, that's what I want. You know, I, I, I always joke around. I'm like, my room's loud. Sorry. I was like, and usually we're not on topic. So if you walk in, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, 
I, I have control chaos in my room and I like it that way. <laughs> I'm not the calm teacher out of the three of us in the social studies department. I'm definitely a little bit more um, out there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's be honest too, like a lot of these sort of like off topic tangent sort of things actually help our kids remember stuff. Yes. Like I will go on tangents about like the great chicken sandwich debate and how I love Chick-fil-A or like I'll talk about something like where am I going out to dinner or what I'm doing with my wife and a kid will be able to be like, Oh yeah. I remember learning about this thing whenever you were talking about, you know, going to subway. I'm like, yeah. Okay, good. Glad you remember it. Glad subway can help you learn today. <laughs> and that, that's a thing. You just brought up a great, one of my favorite stories I forgot is I, you know, when I was teaching another great story about teaching in Camden is I was, you know, sitting there and I had a, it was right around Valentine's day. And a student asked me, he's like, miss, he's like, when you and your husband go out, where do you, where do you like to go out? And I looked at him. I'm like, why is this kid answering, asking me this question? Like I was so nervous to answer it. I said, why, what's up? He goes, I want to take my mom out for Valentine's day and I want to take her to a nice place. That is adorable. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and like four years later, it's like, still I just a moment where I was like this conversation can go wrong in so many ways and that was his response and I was like oh my god yeah he's like I want to take my mom out I'm not nice place. yeah I know right <laughs> so like four or five years later I'm like remember when so-and-so asked about Valentine's Day <laughs> <laughs> and my friends were like oh yeah that was a sweet story that was a sweet sweet day That's a great story. yeah we still talk yeah. about that story five years later <laughs> it's a great story now you said breakout rooms, something that that I also like to use, but what is your like typical day-to-day kind of look like in your room? We are, um, the nice, when I was teaching AP and teaching AP, we're blocked every day. Um, cause we, that time. So I tell my kids, I'm like, you're going to write a lot. Um, you know, we come and we do the typical do now. Sometimes it's like an actual task. Like I want them to write something. Other times it's a more, I want to hear their opinion because I'm going somewhere with that question and I, I'm going to come back to it later. Yeah. We'll do our, you know, we'll do our regular direct lesson of whatever topic we're doing. And then I usually break them up into, I like to do small groups with them, especially when they're writing. Um, and I want them to write together because I want to encourage those discussion skills. I want to encourage those problem solving skills. Um, the writing's hard. So we'll sit down and I'll be like, all right, we'll talk to your group about it. What I, you know, maybe between the three of you, you guys can come up with the information you need. Um, primary sources, I mean, that's history. So they're one of the hardest things for our students to, I think, in general, learn. And then I'll go around to each group and I want to sit down with them and be like, all right, you know, tell me your thoughts. Let's go. Um, sometimes my students are, they, you know, they're afraid to be wrong. A lot of times they're afraid to be wrong. I'm like, so? I'm like, who's, it's me. You're sitting next to me. If you're wrong, I'm going to help you get the right answer. There's nowhere to, you're not a test. Um, it's not like you're, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. Um, if you're wrong, we, we look it up together or sometimes they'll give an answer and I'm like, all right, keep going with that. Go find me more information. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of our kids, I think, you know, they're used to the right answer, wrong answer. And that's a, that's a comfort zone with history. I like to push a lot because there can be sometimes multiple answers. Right. Um, it's, and that's, it's in my opinion, that's, that's true history. Uh, I told yeah. them right before we started the school year with AP, when I met them as sophomores, I was like, I'm going to shatter your comfort zone next year. And it was a constant, um, constant thing. And like I said, I'm not going to set them up for failure. We're going to do it together. Right. But it's a skill I think they need. Um, yeah. And that long-term, I think like at the end of the year, they really are impressed with how much we've accomplished. So yeah. projects we, we like to do, like I said, we like to do hands-on projects. Um, we do a lot of Socratic seminars mm. in our class too. Um, 
we, you know, we'll watch movies and talk about it. We'll read books and talk about it. And a lot of times you're right. We're off topic because something else is going on. That's more exciting or more interesting. Um, and I'm going to miss that this year. Cause we're not in school. We're going to be remote learning. Um, so we're, we're going to do civics and we're going to do all that stuff that's coming up in the next couple of months from home. <laughs> yeah. So like, so talk to me about it. that. I'm, I'm going to be virtual uh, with my students, our middle and high schools are virtual. Our elementaries are currently hybrid. But what is it? What is it going to look like for you to take your craft and transition it to online until you said the end of January, right? Yeah, we are. As of right now, we are to the end of January. Um, it's we're still trying to figure it out. Um, so we're trying to figure out, you know, like what's the best thing um, to still keep them engaged because we're really not going to have a lot of instruction time with them. They're going to be mostly on their own. So I think it's going to be a lot of, um, you know, giving them the information they need and, and teaching the technology skills along with this too, not just the academic skills. Um, we are, we have office hours, I think on Fridays for them, if they need it, um, we'll be doing a lot of most likely Google meets with them, you know, gotcha. try, try to do some type of face to face. And it is a lot of text messages all throughout the day. I, and we're, we were, Responding to text messages a lot come springtime, um, seven o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, weekends. I actually ran Zooms in the evening come springtime because it was easier. Are you using Google Voice for text messages? Um, I use Remind. Okay. Yeah. Good I use Remind. Okay. I've, I've been using Remind for the past few years and um, I like it because I can like make PDFs and the kids can um, just tap it on their phone and it's right there for them. I caved in and created a Bitmoji classroom. So I'm, <laughs> I jumped on that oh, bandwagon hard. <laughs> um, yeah, we jumped on that bandwagon real hard. We're in the Facebook group, Bitmojis. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to create it. It keeps me creative. So, and I know the kids, like, they think it's corny, but at the same time, I know they like it. Um, so we, our Bitmojis are ready to go. <laughs> it's so hip. <laughs> Uh, they were like, you created a Bitmoji? I'm like, yes. I'm like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> Can't decorate my real classroom, so. <laughs> For real. I have this, um, so my the bulb in my projector went out, and uh, they were, rather than replacing the bulb, we're transitioning to those, like, big smart TV things. And so it's currently sitting in a cardboard box <laughs> oh in front of my room. I'm like, you know, I'm sure it'll be put up eventually, but we're not going to have kids probably at least until November. So yeah. it's really not. It's a nice, it's an extra accessory in the classroom. It's yeah. It's, we, it's uh, wild. unfortunately we've had that too. I think we had my first year too. I didn't have a bulb either. And I, I was just, we're just going to make it work. Yeah. Um, I've, ran, I've run extension cords around the classroom before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, at one point it was uh, hooked up to an HDMI to my laptop to a flat screen TV. And we, that was my projector for a long time. Perfect. It, and it worked because I only had a few kids in the classroom and it, it worked. Uh, it was great when we watched movies, but yeah, no, you're right. We'll, we'll make it work. I need to yeah. figure out the technology. Um, I'm, I'm trying to learn Nearpod now or. I love Nearpod. Right. To try, Cause I've. Never done it. Fun. So I think I have to, you know, take a day and, and figure it out. Um, gonna be lots of crash course videos probably. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of, uh, Mr. Betts videos. Yes, I love Mr. Betts. We do. Um, we've I've done Mr. Betts before. Um, one of my other favorite ones is by Sumo Publishing. They do a parody of Bad Romance for the Women's, yes. women's Amendment. Yeah, my kids love that one. <laughs> that one and they're uh, and they're too late to apologize. Yeah, that one too. Um, 
Um, oh, I, I wish they'd make more. They, they love those. Yeah, my, my students love the the Bad Romance one like years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came on in Wawa one day and I was like singing the the Sumo Publishing version. I was like, I can't sing that yeah. song anymore without singing it. I don't really remember the original. Yeah, I don't either. Lyric. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping they'll be able to show those sort of things. I mean, I, do I don't too. think it'll be over like yeah. Google Meet and stuff. I'm just so curious about what it's going to look like. And, and for me, like I'm a big believer. There are people that love an education to like say lecture bad, no lecture. I'm like, maybe if you're sitting in front and like of a class and droning like Ben Stein, but you know, you and I, and from what I've heard you say too, like history is full of stories. Yeah. And so if you, if you stop looking at it as Bueller, Bueller, and instead start looking at it as like, here's, here's some stories of our people. Let's talk about them. I think it's. I think it sends a different message. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see for sure what this uh, what this fall is going to look like. Yeah, I and I, I agree with you. I think lectures can be engaging. I think lectures, like you said, they're just you know, there there's a way to do it. And if if you are you know excited and and you're creative with it, the lectures can be good. Um, and sometimes, like I said, it's like sometimes I just need to give you the information. Here's how we're doing it. Yep. So, you know, we can do it a few other ways. Um, but it, sometimes it needs to be done. Yeah, you got to give them the recipe before you ask them to bake the cake. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's 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 a lot of skill building. It's a lot of scaffolding in history with any other subject, but it's a lot. And you know, sometimes they just you're right. They need those. They need everything set up, ready to go before them. Um, yeah. And they just they need the they need that skill building. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just me telling them, I need you to do this right now and listen right now. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you how to do this next part. Exactly. Is it every day? Listen to me no. and then go do this thing. Yeah, it's not an everyday thing, but it's necessary. We need to do it. <laughs> we need to do it. So how's your department feeling about, or like your department or your school in general, how are they feeling about the hybrid plan? We, or not the hybrid. We're all remote. We're, we're kind of nervous still. Um, because like we, we actually start, the teachers go back next Tuesday. So we'll be okay. back all next week. Um, and our students start on the 8th. And I think, I think just, you know, that's right now, like we're, we're just feeling um, a little bit of stress about it. Cause we're like, and we know we're going to make it work. We know that it's going to work out in the end. I just think like right now we're like, how are we going to get this done? Like, what are we going to do and how are we going to um, make this good for our kids? Cause I know a lot of our kids wanted to come back. They did not want to be home for various reasons. Um, they wanted senior new year. They wanted homecoming. They, they wanted everything. Um, you know, they, the freshmen wanted to start high school, like high school, high school. So some of our kids are, um, they're not happy about being home. I think they, they want to come back. So we're just like, again, you know, everybody keeps posting things about being patient this year, being understanding this year. Um, we're like, how are we going to do this? You know, well, I will do it in the end, but right now we're, we're all a little overwhelmed. (laughs) Like everybody else is probably. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a crazy time in this world, and uh, yeah. I'm kind of getting tired of the of the term unprecedented. Yeah. But and I kind of I mean, got annoyed because people like I can't wait to go back to normal. I'm like, please stop saying that because nothing will be normal after this. Um, <laughs> I think we've kind of shattered normal at this point. So I kind of you know I'm like okay, I'm like well we'll get back there eventually. Um, <laughs> but for some people it won't be. For some people this this has too traumatic and this has been too devastating and they're not they're not going to get their normal back um people that have lost family and all that so yeah it's, it's it gonna be a yeah and so 
that's all we all we can do right now is just empathize and uh and support so that's good hey i've really enjoyed this uh conversation about our uh, our roles or more specifically your roles in education i think uh i think we covered a lot of ground there so thank you uh i'd like to move into some reflection though Faye. and uh this is something where for new listeners to the show, I like us to look at wins and losses. And the reason I say us is because I'm not going to leave you on an island to like tell us all your wins, but then also tell all your fails. So I want to go and, and I'm going to to reflect with you with with some wins and losses of my own here. And so, um, you know, I'll go ahead and, and I'll start it out here regarding a, uh, a win. Today was our uh, county's virtual innovation conference and Usually that conference is in person. We brought in people like uh, Eric Scheninger, Katie Martin to speak. We uh, we were going to bring the Teach Better team in to speak uh, in person. They did some virtual stuff, but uh, I was I was honored. I was asked to do the closing keynote, and uh, so I got to do that today about uh, three hours before you and I started talking, <laughs> and uh, so that went and it was received really well. So that was a big win for me. What's been something that's been like an, Oh yeah, this rocks. um, Last year we let same thing too. We had our state conference, the New Jersey council for social studies, um, you know, meets every year. And I've always, you know, my goal, like one of my personal goals was to, was to present somewhere. So I put in a proposal last year to teach, uh, to do a presentation. It got accepted. um, And I surprised I, I presented at the state conference. And even though it's going to be virtual this year, be working on my presentation for it this year because I'm presenting again. Um, nice. It was it was it's really nice, you know, like you said to to do that and to be like, wow, I'm actually putting myself out there and and challenging myself in a way because um, I've always wanted to do that and I've always had that mindset of oh no, I, who's gonna you know I can't do that or no one's gonna really care about that presentation and um, it worked out well. We got positive feedback from it too, and I was like, wow, I can actually <laughs> do something. Um, so I got what is the uh, what's the presentation? This year it's about iCivics. I'm doing an iCivics presentation. Nice. Yeah, I'm. Um, I got into the iCivics Educator Network this year, so I will be presenting iCivics again too. Is more than necessary right now, and a great resource right now, um, virtual and with everything coming up in November. So it'll all be about iCivics. <laughs> that is like the. That is my ultimate extension for kids. So civic is eighth grade, and I usually teach sixth and seventh. So if they finish early, I send them on to iCivics to play some of the games because I'm like, these are going to be skills and knowledge <laughs> that's going to help you so much in eighth grade. And they love it. They love it. And it, it, thank you, Sandy Day O'Connor, for putting that resource. <laughs> it's great. And I mean, even in high school, I'm like, these are great resources. Um, we're actually going to be offering civics this year for the first time in the school, too. Awesome. Got away from electives a little bit. So it's just great resources when I, I now have to, you know, create this this class and craft it a certain way. Um, great resources to have. And whether we're in school or, or not in school, um, I'm excited about, you know, sharing iCivics with a lot of other people, a lot of other teachers in the state. Nice. So do you have any, any planned celebrations for getting to present again? Not yet. Um, I really like, I'm, I'm terrible about like celebrations. I, everybody's like, Oh, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm probably just going to, you know, spend some quiet time together. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, usually the weekend, my birthday is always Labor Day weekend too. So it's right before school starts. I'm like, this is it. We're just one last thing. <laughs> <Before> <laughs> we shut down for 10 months. 
So I'll probably do something uh, next weekend with my children. That's nice. You know, it's usually ice cream cake and that's it. But it's the one time I have it. Ice cream cake rocks. <laughs> and I've changed my point on that. I was not always a believer in it. Yeah. Uh, in my closing keynote, I talked about teachers taking care of uh, themselves and each other. And one of the comments I made was uh, splurge for a sweet tea or an extra large sweet tea. So uh, I went to a local um, fast food chain and uh, picked up a large sweet tea on the way home. That was uh, that was my celebration. I'm a do? sucker. Yeah, I'm a sucker for iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. So um, <laughs> I miss it. I'm like, I miss those people. Um, I want, I want to love coffee so much. Like that's a that's a strong desire for me. I just I love the smell. I can't do the taste. I, I was like that too for years, and then I got used to it. And I I don't drink it all day. Like I have a, a little bit in the morning. Okay. Um, and my my first period kids would always make fun of me. They're like, "You have coffee?" And I'm like, "Guys, yes. I have two kids at home. We we know this by now." Um, <laughs> it became like a running joke with them every year. I'm like, "If you had me first period, you know what to expect. Um, <laughs> don't expect anything else." But it's. Awesome. We have to have, we have to be excited at eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah. We have to be on. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, and so outside of our, our wins too, sometimes we have some struggle areas. And like I know for me, whenever our division made the decision to um, go virtual for secondary education, there were there were a lot of comments from uh, some people in the community yeah. that just were very hurtful and. I mean, honestly, they were like, yeah, I, I just kind of read them and, and shook my head. And, you know, I tried to laugh them off and just be like, oh, they, like, they just don't get it. But it still stung a lot. And it, and it still does whenever I reflect on it, especially whenever I consider, like, some of these people have taught their kids. And it's like, man, you're saying this stuff about teachers. Like, we want to be in school. We want to be safe, though. Yes. So that's been I think that's been the hardest thing because I, you know. I, we, I totally understand both sides, um, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. I'm, I'm, my children are small, um, but I'm also a teacher. And the same thing, too. It's like, well, they're like, well, go back to work. I'm like, we have been working. At least I have. I don't know about other people, but I didn't stop working. Um, I ran, like I said, I ran 7 o'clock Zooms because that's when my kids were available. Mm-hmm. Um, my four-year-old would sit next to me and I'd be like, make your guest appearance, say hi to the big kids. And, you know, he had his little, little high five to them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, you know, what's going on. I understand everybody's in this time period right now and there's other professions that quote unquote, haven't gone back to work and nothing is said about them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's other professions that didn't, didn't stop either. Right. Um, and I just don't, I don't know, like I, I agree with you too. It's like, I don't know why we become the easy, like, it's so easy to be criticized for us, whether it's right or wrong. Um, that's what kind of bothers me about it. And, and I think too, like that loss, that loss is there because I think that puts more pressure on us to be like, well, we have to make this work because everybody's looking at us, criticizing us. Right. And if we don't quote unquote, make it work, then we didn't do our job, you know, but that's thing too. It's our job as a teacher, you know, especially with AP, like I, of course I want my kids to pass the exam, but am I a failure if my kids don't pass? Like, is that, am I measured on my success rate as far as my passing exam? I measured on the success rate of the kids completed the class. The kids tried something that was so hard. Um, and even though they got a two, that's great. You know, I, I, we put, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as teachers to be like, we're what's quote unquote successful. And right. we have to pr- constantly prove ourselves constantly. And, and honestly, sometimes I feel like 
you know, whenever we're kids and we say things to our parents and our parents just kind of roll with it, I, I not saying I am like a parent to the community by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that as educators, that's kind of how we take these things is just like a, all right, like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I know, no, I know. It's, it's been, it's been so frustrating. Like you said too, like at some point it's like, we just had to turn it off, you know, had to shut down the apps, had to shut down the media. And I was like, I'm not going to read these comments. I'm not going to read them. I don't want to get into it on Facebook with somebody who doesn't know. Um, you're right. I, I, and actually I'm going to, I'm probably in the minority when I say this, I hate summers off because <laughs> um, I want to be with my kids and I want to be doing something. And I want, you know, I want to feel like I'm, I'm working and I'm by August, I'm dying to go back. Right. Um, I miss the kids. I miss the classroom. I miss the chaos. And so we, yeah, since us, we've been out since March, um, mm-hmm. it'll Same. be almost a year by the time we go back. Yeah. It'll be almost a year. Um, and you know, we do, we like any teacher, we worry about our kids. We want to make sure, you know, they, they have what they need socially, emotionally, they have what they need. Um, there are care for the year and there are care after. And I, I don't understand why people don't get that sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, unless you have a different law, we can go into growth conversation next. Um, because I, I kind of think you, you hit a good, a good point there. Um, I know, like regarding my own growth through this, it's, I think it's just been helpful to me to remember and, and spend time reflecting on like, so I don't like how they're responding emotionally to this and how they are like disregarding the fact that there are people on the other side of this uh, that are directly impacted. And so I think it's just kind of helped me refocus and think about like, who are the people that matter to me and who are the people that I need to be considering, you know, their opinions fully and and who are the people that are going to make responses that aren't, that are, that are predicated on like utter frustration and, and who are the people that just love to complain? Because some of the people that, that wrote complaints do have genuine concerns and, and having spoken to some of them, like I hear them, uh, but then there are some that, you know, you could say, hey, we've cured every single disease ever, and they'd still find something to, to moan mm-hmm. and groan about. So, you know, it's just been good to, to help me kind of figure out who do I need to listen to and who not. How about you? Uh, my, my plans for my growth, same, same thing is I feel like when there's like a lot of stress, it's like we have to figure everything out now. And we can't. We just don't have – we don't have answers. So I'm just letting – I'm like, look, you you – you focus on you and what's best for your family. I'm going to focus on me and what's best for my family. I'm still going to be the best teacher to my kids this year because they need that. And they deserve that too, regardless of what situation we're in. Um, and at some point I'm just going to tune it out. Like I'm going to shut it down and say, I cannot, you know, get that upset about this because I have more important things to do. Right. And some people, like you said, they're just, they're not going to change their mind. Um, I don't have to prove anything to them. I need to be there for the kids. Mm-hmm. I stop worrying about, you know, what people are saying. I just need, I need to focus on the 60 students I have um, who, you know, who need something right now and, and deserve to have something. Yeah. My, my growth is just, I'm here for the people that matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like it. So how about self-care? I mean, I know you have a birthday coming up because of what you just said, but what are, what are your plans in general for self-care as, as summer winds down? So uh, we've been kind of just doing a little bit more. Um, I, I like to do crafts, So I'm trying to get back into like my own little thing more. So um, 
I have two small children. So we're like trying, you know, trying to be there for them too and, and see what, what exciting things they're doing. Um, my little one's going back to preschool and, you know, I, I kind of want to be there and say, look, look at all the things he's going to learn. And I really want to see him grow this year too. Um, as he gets ready for kindergarten next year, my older one too. So I think just for that, my self-care is just, to, again, like I said, to, you know, to be there for the people that I care about, that I'm trying to protect um, yeah. and, and sit back. That has been the one nice thing is I've been home with my kids and I'm like, you know, as hard as it is sometimes, it is nice to sit there and see like, look how much he's, he's accomplished over the year or the little, you know, wants to read more books. Now we're into dinosaurs. Um, he, my kids know, my kids are old enough to know what's going on. My little one knows there's a virus and germs as he calls it. Um, <laughs> but he's still so innocent in some sense. He's just so innocent still. Um, and he's just excited, you know, mom and his brother are home. So <laughs> kind of, kind of want to sit back and, and, you know, get excited about dinosaurs again. Yeah. I mean, he'll never grow out of dinosaurs. They're awesome. They're so. awesome. I know. And then like I said, you know, like I said, boys, boys are fun. <laughs> I remember when I was, I, when I found out I was having my second boy too. And my first one, they're like, Oh, boys, boys are fun. And I'm like, I've heard, I've heard a lot. Um, and that they, they were right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah, just moving to, so like we're having a boy in, in yep. November that, like you know, and so uh, LB is having, her shower on Saturday, we're going to drive to Frederick. So I guess like I'll throw my self care here. Uh, we'll drive up for the weekend and uh, they're doing a socially distanced baby shower. And uh, my plan is to go to like a local pizza place and enjoy some pizza. But um, yeah, I'm excited about having a little boy. You know, and it is, it is exciting. I mean, like, you know, I, I can't say I don't have a girl, but the boys are excited. My older one's into karate. Um, my husband's a race car fan. So, you know, they're old enough now to, to be all into that too. Um, my, my son was in Daytona, you know, my, he went to Daytona 500 this year and I'm like, go, yeah. go on this great trip. Um, it's nice to see. And then he also gets to go with me. I took him to Williamsburg last year too. He's old enough to on the nerdy history trips with his mother. I'm like, sorry, your mom's a history teacher. We're, we're going to Williamsburg. No apologies. Williamsburg rocks. And it was awesome. <laughs> you know, and I haven't been to Bush Garden since I was a child. So it was great to go back. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> My child. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's, it is, it's different. I need to, as I'm the type that like, I will stress about school and I will stress about work. And then my, my plan this year, and I will get better at this this year is just to put it aside and we're going to go play dinosaurs or we're going to go do a puzzle. Um, Go play dinosaurs. Yeah, I love I it. Miss them. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, still having a good time talking with you, but we are at the point of the show now where we do some high fives. And uh, to remind the listeners, high fives are five questions totally unrelated to education, just to help our listeners get to know you a little better. So if you're ready, I'm going to start firing these. Go at for you, it, yeah. Okay. My first question oranges or apples? Oranges. Really? Yeah. Okay. Unless they're so, like, Macintosh apples. <laughs> so, like, are we talking, like, well, well, let me ask, like, how do you eat your oranges then? Do you just peel it all or do you slice no, it? No, I slice them. You... Okay, good. <laughs> I used to always love, uh, with soccer, whenever the soccer moms would yeah. bring the oranges. <laughs> they're all sliced up in the bags. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody loves them. Uh, next one. What's your usual bedtime? Um, normally it'd be like 10.30, but summertime, 
and all this has got us back to being up later. So I, I need to be in bed at 10. I'm a horrible morning person, which is horrible if you teach high school. Um, That's why you all right, I don't know why I did that to myself. Uh, <laughs> but I, I try to get to bed a little earlier um, than I than most people do, probably. You know. <laughs> I, yeah. I like to, during summer, like, I'll be up past midnight, but then, yeah, like, once the school year comes, once it hits, like, 9 or 10 o'clock, like, I'm done. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it, that's the thing, like, I've been used to getting up, and I'm like, I know we're not gonna be able to do that again, so, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, favorite board game? If I had to pick, I'd probably say Clue. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I hate Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what destroys friendships and yeah, families. I hate Monopoly. Mm -hmm. so. Have you ever played uh, Settlers of Catan? No, no, I've never done that. Okay, so, like, it's all about, like, a, it's a resource uh, acquirement sort of game. It's very, like, economic-based, so as a, as a fellow history teacher, I'm going to go ahead and recommend it to you. <laughs> it is awesome. I love it. Number four, instrument you wish you knew how to play. Piano or saxophone? I am a saxophone player. So. I used to play the clarinet and I gave up on it, but, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to a great one, too. I love a good piano player. Uh, number five, your favorite sweet treat. I had to pick something sweet. Um, Snickers ice cream bars. Oh, okay. They're good. You have to pick something sweet. Are you more of a savory person? No, a salty. My my son and I are all about chips. We will. Okay. We love chips. So if we do, um, it's very funny. Like he will not eat cupcakes at parties. He will not eat <laughs> most cake at parties. He's a child and doesn't like it. But you put a a bag of Doritos in front of my kids and they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah, we were we're into chips more. Okay. So you know, it's it's our first birthday. You're giving them the cake. Do they just do, do they try it or? My little one does. My my older one, um, he. I mean, like he does it, but like he's after like a couple bites, he's like, I'm done. My my little one's more into the cake than the older one is. So sometimes we'll get like the ice cream cups for them. They'll eat that. But yeah, it's, it's very funny. Like my my oldest son, a lot of parties. I'm like, you want cake? He's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. But he's already eaten like the entire bag of potato chips that are in front of him. So all into that. Yeah, we're definitely salty people. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. There's so many good salty options out there. So that's been a. I mean, LB was never too much of a sweet person in, over the last few years, but especially now that she's pregnant, like she doesn't even like chips that much. But there was a week where that's what she wanted. That's she, <laughs> well, it's so strange. I'm a sucker for good, for good brownies, though. Oh yeah, my my coworker makes good, great ones too. So if she, yeah, if she does, I'm like, no, you know, I'm having one because she's just there. They're so good when she makes them. Yeah, like, you have to have a small piece because anything bigger is like way too much for you. If you're not into sweets, she's phenomenal. That's awesome. She's kind of like the mom of the. She used to be the mom of the building. She's always got like baked goods for us. We're like, all right, we're coming mm -hmm. at lunchtime. She's like, they're on the counter. <laughs> the real MVP of the crew. Really That's is, all. She knows she's a big baker with her daughters, and we we take full advantage of it. <laughs> hey, as you should, as you should. <laughs> like, 
I always love whenever I, whenever there's somebody on staff who's like, oh yeah, I'm a feeder. I'm like, well, that's great. I'm a feeder. So, <laughs> We're going to get cool. along fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, Yofei, again, I've had a really great time talking with you. And um, before we wrap up, I just want to know if you have any final thoughts or uh, anything to say to the listeners before we sign off. I just think, like, as I said, everybody's in a really unique position this year. Um, and I think everybody is is doing the best we're doing. So just take it for what it's worth. We'll try to find the silver lining in all of this. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we're still, I mean, I'm still excited to see my kids in a couple weeks. Um, I'm excited to start a new class and, and a new subject. I mean, a, a new civics class and everything. And it's just, and I have to tell myself, like, I'm always stressed out and worried about like the what ifs, the what ifs, and it always works out in the end. So yeah. um, that's what I'm going to tell myself. It'll work out in the end. It, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Faye. And um, I'm glad you're looking at those silver linings. And uh, on that note, I'm going to say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And I'm going to go ahead and cue the exit music. Thanks for listening to Wins and Losses. You can find Wins and Losses pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to the show to get updates when new episodes come out. And if you're someone that's interested in being on Wins and Losses, you can sign up by going to philstrunk.com slash contact. Again, thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time.